Welcome to another episode of Motorsport of the Americas. We're back this week after uh, taking a week off, and we're we're back again with uh, a, you know another great lineup over the next several weeks of you know drivers and people involved in covering uh, the world of motorsport. And this week we've got a great guest. We have Stu Leslie from Off in the S's, which is a YouTube channel. Uh, we've we've you know we've talked about them a couple times before. Link to some of their great videos. Uh, you know, that they have over on their YouTube channel. Uh, they really do a great job of, of covering IMSA and all the different series and drivers. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a really action-packed uh, racing series. You know, whether it's the one of the support races, you know, the, the single makes, uh, the Michelin Pilot Challenge or the WeatherTech Championship, uh, you know, races themselves. You know, even even the the 24 hours of Daytona is a 24 hour race, uh, but it came right down to the last couple laps. Still had cars battling for positions out on track. You know, even after uh, you know an, an entire you know consecutive 24 hours of of, of running. Uh, so Stu really kind of talks to us about. Uh, his experience, he was at the 24 hours of Daytona himself. Uh, he's got some plans to go to some other race weekends this season. And uh, he tells us all about IMSA and all the great, uh, you know, there's, there's tons and tons of drivers uh, from all over the world of motorsport that find their way, you know, to some of these IMSA weekends. You know, the, the, the Daytona 24 hours had drivers from IndyCar, uh, F1, a lot of up-and-coming drivers that we talk about as well from Indy NXT. Uh, so it's just really, if you're really into racing, uh, there really doesn't get much better than an IMSA weekend. And uh, we talk all about that. Uh, and uh, we're actually going to go ahead and jump right into it. So check out our interview with Stu and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, we're joined today by Stu from Off in the S's. Off in the S's is a YouTube channel that covers IMSA uh, in in great depth, and uh, it's it's definitely the best channel uh, that covers that series that, that I've come across. And uh, Stu is the the creator and host, and uh, does a, again does a really really great job. And he's been kind enough to join us today uh, to talk about uh, you know the IMSA and and the series and why he enjoys it so much and uh, and why you might find yourself enjoying it if you tune into it this year. So Stu, just want to again say uh, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your time and uh, you know how's uh, how, how's your winter been? No, well, thanks for having me, Thomas. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I mean, myself being from from Canada, it's. It actually hasn't been that bad of a winter, to be honest. Um, we've been a little bit fortunate. It's a little bit sad to not see the snow on the ground, but uh, if it's sad to not see snow on the ground, it's been equally as happy to uh, to see racing kind of back on track with uh, with him. So there's obviously a lot of hype that uh, that's been buzzing around the paddock uh, coming into this season with some key manufacturers coming in and just being able to be back out on track after the great season we had last year. So, you know, uh, you know, we're what, two weeks removed from, uh, from the Rolex now from the Rolex 24. So, uh, still yeah. riding that high and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time. It's a good time to be a motorsport fan. Yeah, definitely. And you were, you were down there for that. Uh, you were, you were able to get down there for that race. Yeah, it was my first time going down to uh, to Daytona, so that was just an incredible experience. Whether you're a fan of uh, sports car racing or whether it be 
virtually any if you're in north america and you're a fan of motorsports you know about daytona and just being able to walk into that sort of cathedral of speed and just driving past it coming off the highway how it rises off up off the horizon was was pretty incredible and you know i've been 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 a fan of daytona whether it be in sports car racing or i was a nascar fan when i was a kid and uh you know just finally being able to go to daytona was really really cool and then experiencing the 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 24 hours there was was something else uh an endurance race that long is uh is is really really cool to experience so really happy that uh that i was able to make it down there this year yeah definitely how many uh how many of those 24 hours were you able to to stay awake and and be at the track for so this, this was definitely something that i went back and forth with in my mind heading into this uh into the race you know oh do i want to do i want to stay up and try and do all 24 but it's actually much more than 24 hours when you factor in you know, you're getting to the track at like 8 a.m. and then you're not leaving right after the race as well. And if you got to go back to a hotel or something after. So I ended up making the tough decision to uh, to grab a few hours of uh, of sleep in the car. Uh, we uh, we had parking just outside of the gates to enter into the track. Um, so we we went and crashed for i think we got you know two and a half maybe three hours of sleep in the dead of night woke up for sunrise and uh and i think that was the wise the wise decision at the end of the day a 36 hour day would probably uh re- i think i would have been wrecked for the rest of the week <laughs> yeah 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 no yes i'm i'm sure i mean i don't I, yeah i don't know that anyone would actually be able to stay awake for the entirety of uh that, that whole thing from start to finish. I'm sure, you know, all the people that are associated with teams probably caught some sleep, you know, here and there. Um, but yeah, so what was your, uh, can, can you talk about the, the finish? Is it, this is one of, I've only watched, you know, a handful of these, 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 you know, 24 hour races all the way to the end. And you were at the track, but on, on television, you know, the, the thing up in the top left corner is saying two laps to go. Like, okay. All right, here we go. Right. This is it. And, you know, not to, not to complain about a 24-hour race ending early, but all of a sudden the checkered flag came out. And I was like, what? Like, wait a minute. Like, so I thought maybe I had missed something or if I maybe I fell asleep and I'd missed a couple laps. Or, you know, is that a thing that happens or was that something that just kind of caught everybody off guard? No, it was. This is the first time I've heard of anything like this, uh, anything like this happening. You know, it's uh, when I, I was at the track, too, and and we were watching it on one of the the big screens sort of waiting for for everything to wrap up and trying to get a good spot to see the cars heading into uh into victory lane and and yeah we're watching on tv we're like oh it all of a sudden went from two laps to go why why is the flag man waving the white flag like is is the broadcast we're at the track but the broadcast is like only 10 seconds behind it's it's not significantly behind like that far behind um so yeah definitely a little bit confusing um you know, just unfortunate how it how it all unfolded at the end of the day. But I don't really think it would have cost us much at the end of the day. Maybe there was a couple of positions that it could have affected, but you know, mistakes happen here and there. It's uh, I think it's uh, I'm sure there's going to be takeaways from this for the series that this isn't going to become a thing that we ever talk about again. Hopefully, there's going to be some 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 sort of fail safe that's put in place. But uh, definitely a confusing moment. One of the most confusing moments I've seen in uh, in recent years, that's for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so you know, but what were the uh, you know what were your your overall your your highlights uh, you know from from the twenty four? Uh, is, is there anything that you think happened that weekend that is kind of going to set the tone for uh, for what's to come later on in the year? Yeah, I think you know highlights from the race. Um, you know, they're just the 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 amount of great racing that we saw throughout all four classes didn't it doesn't really come as much of a surprise to be honest um but we saw you know great racing essentially for the entire race in all four classes the the lmp2 i feel like is is kind of sliding under the radar and how good that race was um i i don't think it was focused on all that much in the broadcast because the gtp battle was so good um, but being able to see how, you know, I think it was the, the 18 and the zero four is what, who it really came down to at the end and, and seeing those two cars duke it out for so much of the race was great. Uh, you, you can't talk about the Rolex without talking about the GTP battle that we saw where it was, you know, the six and the seven Porsches and then the 31 Cadillac for the final, like. 11 12 hours of the race they were essentially the ones that you they were just battling it out for the remainder until the six kind of fell out a little bit but just the sheer amount of great racing and battles that we saw this year i thought it was better than last year's rolex um and last year's rolex was good so uh, i think that really sets the tone for what we're going to expect this season with some potentially some of the closest racing and some of the closest championship finishes that we've we've seen throughout all of the all of the classes. I think it's going to be a very very tight season up and down the grid. Yeah, it's it's amazing that uh if you, you know, if you if you more watch F1, uh th- those races seem to be over pretty quickly sometimes <laughs> in, in 24 laps, forget, you know, forget 24 hours. Uh yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable to see cars that had just been out there uh, you know, for 24 hours with with three or four different drivers, and and yet coming in the last hour or two, you know, it's still super close, and there's still positions to fight for, uh, and and a lot of the cars are actually still on the track too. That I think that's always, it, you know, that I think that really kind of stands out. That I don't know, I don't know how they're able to keep them going for, uh, you know, for that long. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I don't don't think they know how they keep them going for that long <laughs> yeah. too. It's uh, how some of those cars cross the finish line. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you said, you know, I I feel like I kind of noticed that the 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 LMP2, uh, you know, weren't on at least the parts that I watched. Uh, you know, they weren't on the on the focal point on the, on the television as much as as the other, uh, you know, as as the other series that were going. Do Do you think that has to do with the, kind of the manufacturer aspect of it, where it's a spec series and you know the to a certain extent, they're all the same car. Whereas it's like, oh, there's a Porsche battling like Cadillac and and a Mercedes and an Austin Martin. You think that that is maybe what is makes that series maybe a little bit less appealing? Yeah, I think it's definitely. I think it's probably fair to say that it's not the most popular of uh, IMSA's classes, the LMP2 class. I think that's kind of reflected in the in the broadcast. Um, whether you know what came first the chicken or the egg there's the broadcast not showing it enough that's caused that or is it the fans not just not having the interest there that's not causing the broadcast to show it i mean we don't really know um definitely not having a manufacturer that's you know the car that you have sitting in your garage to identify with is definitely going to play into that um 
people have have extremely strong um, ties to their brands and um, and not having those strong brands there will will do that. Um, but then on the flip side, you see so many incredible drivers too that are in the LMP2 class that um, uh, that you know they're they're just that one small step away from being in the top class prototypes, which is right now the LMH and LMDH cars. So I think it, all of that kind of combines to build this underrated racing. I, I think that. Um, the the diehard fans that you know like they're what they're not missing a single race they're going back and they're watching everything over again like they're they're gonna know about the lmp2 class and and how good the racing is but for someone who's a little bit more casual you know just tunes in for parts of the races or whenever they're available um they might not necessarily realize how great the racing is in that class and how it's it's the, the driver lineups are just as stacked in that class as they are in the uh, in the GTP class. And and um, something I find that's unique about the LMP2 class is that's where you see a lot of these young drivers that are kind of cutting their teeth. You see you see guys like Kiffin Simpson, Christian Rasmussen, uh, Connor Zilich, of course, in in the winning car in that class this year. Like these are all I didn't, I'm not even scratching the surface on, you know, how many of them are in there. But uh, Nolan Siegel, um, you see yeah, a bunch of yeah. these drivers that are in Indy next or making the the jump up to Indy um, uh, Indy car and or in, in Connor Zilich's case, you know, other forms of motorsports. Um, but like that's where we're seeing these young future stars of tomorrow cutting their teeth and sort of refining their craft. And for many of them, these are the fastest cars that they've that they've run up to this point. The highest downforce cars, uh, also that they've run up uh, to this point in their career. So um, it's a really interesting class to watch, um, the LMP2 class, and uh, I think it just continues to deliver. Yeah, the, I mean the amount of drivers that that. Uh, you know that, that find themselves on track. You know for, for the twenty four and and the you know the the longer endurance races. You know that they come from all over. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. I hadn't really thought of it. It seems like there's definitely the, the younger the younger up and coming drivers tend to find themselves in the LMP two. I think Nolan Single did some LMP three last year as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, it's pretty interesting to see how you know they're they they have a one career path that they're on, you know, with open wheel racing, but then they're also, you know, they're also adding this in, um, you know, when they can fit it in. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really pretty incredible. I don't know how they can switch from, from those, those different types of cars and, you know, make it look as easy as they do. Yeah. It's, it's in interesting having when I spoke with Connor the week before leading up to the Rolex and he said, cause we asked about this, what's it like driving the, the MX five and then jumping in an LMP two car. And he said, you know, it's it's not so bad when they're so different. Um, the speeds are different. How you're approaching corners are completely different in the two cars. It's when you start getting into two that are similar. So the the first thing that came to my mind was here was Ben Keating running in the GTP class and then also running in LMP2 where breaking points are fairly similar. You know, the LMP2 cars are a handful of seconds slower a lap than than the GTPs. But so your braking points are just slightly different, you know, how you're how you're handling the steering wheel, things like that, that it, it's actually more difficult to make the switch to a closer car like that than it is for the 
the drastic change from say, you know, uh, an indie light, well, it's not indie lights anymore, indie next to, uh, to an LMP two. So that was interesting. Yeah, that's, that's fine. When you, when you explain it that way, it's like that actually seems really logical. Yeah, that, yeah. It's so right. You're not going to forget which car you're in or, you know, it's such a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Um, so, so what, you know, for you, you personally, you know, you said that you, you started off watching, uh, NASCAR, uh, but you know, how did you over time get drawn into, to IMSA, uh, you know, as, as much as you are? Yeah. So, I mean, it took a little while to get here, uh, to be honest. So you know, when I was a kid, you know, would watch NASCAR with, with my dad and, um, as, we would watch the, uh, the big the big endurance races, you know, the Rolex 24 up, up in Canada, we didn't necessarily have the best coverage of all of these, um, all of these events. Um, so the Rolex 24 was one that, you know, it was always broadcast. Uh, Le Mans would be broadcast usually. Um, so we would sometimes watch that if, if, if we, uh, if we saw that it was on, um, but mostly it was NASCAR and then transitioned into formula one, um, sort of towards the late two thousands. And then as things would have it, you know, I, uh, I, I went off to, uh, to school and, uh, the streaming platforms were definitely not what they are today. Um, when, when I was, uh, when I was going off for post-secondary, so, um, you know, we didn't, we couldn't afford the, uh, cable package, um, and let alone all the additional channels, uh, that we need to add on to be able to get all the motorsports we wanted to watch. So it was largely just kind of following along with results pages online. Um, you know, where if we had access to cable somewhere, then maybe we'd get the opportunity to watch, you know, a race here and there. But uh, largely, you know, just didn't, wasn't able to uh, to follow it very much. So kind of kind of fell off on the, on the motorsports through school. And then um, when, when, school was wrapped up you know streaming was starting to become more mainstream here this was what the mid 2010s um so streaming is starting to come in um and actually drive to survive is one of the things that like kicked me back into kicked the interest level back back for motorsports and and you know falling back in love with uh, you know, Formula One at the time. And then uh, it wasn't long after, you know, kicking back into that, that, you know, IMSA was right there on my on my doorstep yet again. And, and you know, falling back in love with uh, falling, I guess, like I said, we didn't have the ability to watch all of the races when, uh, when I was a kid. So being able to truly experience a full IMSA season, um, you know, pretty well instantly fell in love with it and uh and it's kind of uh it, it's kind of snowballed from there to uh to uh to where it is today yeah it's it's funny it's very similar to uh you know the other the other sport that i watch the most is uh is soccer and it's the same thing back in 2010 2011 i mean there's some of the, the websites i was on trying to watch a game were, were really sketchy websites that you really don't want to be on uh it was just so difficult to and, and but now it's you can watch almost you can watch almost any game anywhere in the world and i, I feel like you know racing has kind of started to go in that direction as well that any any given weekend particularly in the summer there's there's so many different races uh that you can tune into and you know imsa has 
pretty much everything is on, uh, you know, is on Peacock or they will put it on their YouTube channel. You know, I think like the, like the day or two after the race or, you know, IMSA TV, it's, I just, it's so, so, so much easier. I mean, to the point where, you know, I was able to, um, you know, I was able to watch an MX five cup race on, on my other screen while I was, you know, at work, uh, on a, on a Friday morning. Uh, Yeah. So I think that definitely, and so is that something that, you know, the you know with, with drive to survive uh, and and it being easier to to watch these races you know it has IMSA really kind of benefited from that you know even in like the last two or three years in terms of you know the level of interest and uh, you know obviously you would have a, a pretty good idea of that you know because your YouTube channel you know has have you seen that kind of all trending upwards the last two or three years? Yeah, it definitely has trended upwards, and I think um, there's a. I think there's a combination of things that that can you can attribute to here. Drive to survive certainly being one of them. Uh, just get it when, whenever you get that many eyeballs back interested in motorsports, um, then there's going to be a trickle down effect. It might take a little while. And I think we're I think we're well within in that trickle down period now. Where um, you know a few years ago when Drive to Survive was at its I don't actually. I haven't looked. At, I don't know what the the viewership numbers have been for, for sort of the last two seasons. But when it really exploded in that that Lewis and Max end of season battle year, um, I think we're starting to see sort of um, see fans, you know, branch out to other forms of motorsports as well. The ones that have held on and latched on to Formula One are are branching out and and looking at other forms of motorsports to follow as well. And I think IMSA has certainly benefited from that. Um, You also have to look at the new cars that have been introduced as well. Um, We look at the previous generation DPI cars where we had at the end of it, it was, you know, Acura and Cadillac were the two manufacturers. And now we have this explosion to the point of right now there's, there's four a fifth coming in for the next race. Um, but then you also, uh, factor in that these cars can now go race at Le Mans, which is one of the most iconic races in the world. There's going to be pretty hard pressed to, to find a, an even a super casual racing fan that, that hasn't heard about Le Mans. So, um, the fact that all of these things I think have come together to kind of create this perfect storm, um, for sort of this. A uh, bit of explosion in popularity that uh, that we're seeing in in the sport right now, and you know the way that things have looked even from last year. Um, talking to people at the at the Rolex Twenty Four and and hearing their how many fans were there last year versus this year. Last year was the largest attendance I think that they've ever had at that race, and this this year definitely topped it. Um, and I think. I think the track confirmed that they don't release official attendance numbers. Um, but the number of fans that were there was, it was kind of crazy. Um, it was great to see. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the sport's going to be able to ride this wave of, uh, of popularity well into the next, uh, the next handful of years here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, it seems like, so has, you know, these changes from year to year, like you said, with the manufacturers coming back in and, and, you know, the, is it really like the the names of the categories that change? And I, I I find it's it's very easy to get confused. Like what is what is you know what's the difference between you know like a, a GTD or a GTD Pro or an LMP3 and LMP3 two? Like have, have those types have those classifications like changed over the years? And then you know 
how are you able to kind of keep up with all of that? Yeah, so you see changes. The The last one sort of in the GT ranks was uh, GTD Pro. Um, when that came in, I guess it's been two full seasons now, about two full years ago. Um, and the previous, what they replaced was uh, was GTLM. Um, and, and that was a completely different spec of car. Um, that spec of car had been around, I don't, I can't remember how many years they, they had been kicking around for, but they finally got completely phased out pretty much worldwide at the end of last year, um, and are now just, uh, left for, for historic racing. But, um, that was kind of the last big change. And for, again, sort of, um, if you're not following the sport very closely, then you're probably not going to notice that much of a, a difference. Um, you know, these, are. These are still the best, you know, GT drivers. It's it's still largely factory supported efforts, uh, like GTLM was before it. Um, but it's just with these GT3 spec cars, which now can be raced, you know, pretty well anywhere in the world in some of the the biggest races around the world. So um, there ha- there's been small changes. You sort of mentioned LMP2, LMP3. We got rid of the LMP3 class. It's not something that's probably going to be terribly missed by many. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's small changes like that can that can be uh, that can be difficult to keep up with. Um, but uh, but I think where the sport is right now, I think this is kind of a, a nice spot for it to be in. I I I think that we could see the this class structure staying in place for. Uh, for a good number of years until something significant changes and and requires uh, a class change. Yeah, I mean, I think that because what the support races too, right? So the the, the VP uh, racing challenge and the Michelin Pilot challenge, the you still see so, like the LMP3 cars are continuing on um, in the VP racing challenge, right? So there's they're they're still there if you're really into you know that specific type of car and then they have touring cars that run as like kind of the the, the second group in the uh in the michelin pilot challenge uh you know it, so those those support series that you know those you know do you find those to be uh enjoyable as well and then you know what is the racing like uh in in those two races or those two series rather yeah i think um you know when lmp3 was still racing in the weather tech championship i one of the things I kept on saying is that, you know, okay, these LMP3s are going to go away soon, but there has to be a place for them to race. And if you partner them up with those GT4 cars, which are slower than the GT3 cars that race in the, in the IMSA WeatherTech Championship, um, you know, you partner them up with those GT4 cars and maybe even those the touring cars, um, then I think you have a really compelling series there. You know, you have a prototype class, a GT class, and uh, it, it's kind of like the, your your uh, indie next sort of to to indie almost, where it's that just that that level below. And um, I honestly think that it the, the VP Sports Car Challenge. I, I wasn't sure of what the what the level of competition was going to be like there, um, but I think even after the, it's only been in place for one year. Last year was the first year of that series with LMP3 and and GT4. And um, we've we've seen drivers immediately move up from it into the WeatherTech Championship, um, and not just move up to it as like oh you know they they bring some big funding with them let's let's bump them up. It's no like these some of these drivers are 
you know, seriously quick and uh, and are, and are going to be strong competitors in the uh, in the WeatherTech Championship. So that's been really good to see the VP Sports Car Challenge. I think uh, produce some of produce that already. That kind of exceeded my expectations. And then the Michelin Pilot Challenge has been so established uh, as an IMSA Sport Series for so many years now, um, and has produced some some great racing uh, along the way. It's been it's been great to see um, how I, I feel like the level of competition has always been strong, but the the levels that we've seen it the last couple of years has been has been really impressive and. Um, and I think with the races that we or the race that we saw at at Daytona only only shows that we're just in for another good season. There's good manufacturer representation there as well. Lots easy to identify brands, even more so than the WeatherTech Championship. You know, you have uh, the likes of you know Hyundai and and Honda and, and Toyota and you manufacturers like that that they're racing in this, and it's it's really cool for fans to be able to identify with. Uh, you know, a car that they might be driving on the street and then see that out on the racetrack. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that there's, you know, there's, they're Honda Civics, right? I mean, obviously yeah. you know, they're, they're souped up Honda Civic, but still, I get yep. that's a bit more, I think, appealing if you, you know, that's a, a an attainable car more yeah. so than, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a Porsche 911, but it's, it's probably <laughs> not in the cards. Uh, but a Honda Civic, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I did. I, I did really uh, the two the two VP races at Daytona. Uh, those were uh, those were both you know really enjoyable to watch, and uh, you know the the new the the new GT4 Mustang uh, ended up winning both of those races. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about the? It seems like the the Mustangs are the GT3, the GT4 both new this year, uh, and then the, uh, the 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 Mustang Challenge as well as bringing in another uh, another brand new Mustang. Yeah, I mean, any time that you can bring a manufacturer like Ford, not that Ford was absent from IMSA in recent years, they have had a previous spec Mustang that that they had competing. Um, but I think the way that Ford has come back to the sport, sort of after they had their Ford GT that that they raced a handful of years ago, I think, of course, really, really good to see one of the iconic North American, uh, you know, manufacturers, and uh, to be able to have such representation across not just the weather tech championship or the Michelin pilot challenge, but for them to come in and say, Hey, we are going to do our own, you know, single make series. And if I'm not mistaken, the winner of that series gets a full GT four ride, uh, funded for the following season. I think it is in, uh, in yeah, uh, series. Yeah, there's something like that. I, I can't. I, I did. I did go through it. Yeah, there's definitely like it. it they're trying to help you like graduate up to a higher yeah. level if, if you do well. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is incredible to see as well. You know, the development of drivers and the manufacturers are you know interested in in putting some of this stuff together to help develop the future. The future stars of the sport is is really really cool. And um, and then you know just Ford being back on the grid, uh, it's. I think without a doubt in my mind, it's the best sounding GT car um, in in the WeatherTech Championship uh, right now. It it is you know when when one of the Mustangs is is driving by. So to see that and to see to hear it and all the fans that are are going to come along with it. There's you know 
past rivalries that are going to be reignited uh, as a result of them coming back. And um, that's going to produce plenty of uh, of storylines. They had a pretty good overall, you know, first event or race weekend of the season. As you mentioned in the VP challenge, uh, they they took a couple of wins. It didn't do quite as well as I think they had hoped in the uh in the Rolex 24 but uh you know they're uh it's it was their first their first real proper endurance race in uh in many years so uh so I th- I think we can expect strong things with them from them as the uh as the season rolls on yeah yeah I'm pretty excited about the the Mustang challenge I think they they just started to announce I think one team has confirmed that they're going to compete yeah yeah. yeah, we're starting. We're going to start to see some of those those announcements trickle in for yeah some of the IMSA support series that haven't started up yet. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll start to see those come come trickling in and over the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah, because that one doesn't get started until I think later on in the spring, or maybe it's even the early summer before they get going. Yeah, I can't remember what their first round of the year is. Um, I think I, it's I, what, May. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it quite. Yeah, I don't think it's Sebring. I think. Um, I think the Lamborghini Super Trofeos go to Sebring, but uh, that would probably that would, that would be a rough first race to get thrown into uh, for for a series debut. Oh yeah, here go go to Sebring, the roughest track on the calendar with uh, with a brand new car. But um, yeah, no, they they have some uh, they have some good rounds lined up, and I think I know one of the races that they're lined up to go to is. Uh, is Watkins Glen and uh and I'll be there. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the Mustang Challenge uh, at the Glen. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to that. I'm strategically saving vacation days. Um I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm going to be able to pull that one off as well. Um uh, so yeah, that that's, that should be a lot of fun to get to see those cars there. Uh and the the other the other single make series uh you know, is there one that that, that you that you enjoy the most and um and why is that and which one is it? Easily the MX5 Cup. I think uh, I think that has to. That's probably my favorite IMSA support series. There's at times where it's my favorite IMSA series. So um, I, I don't. I think whatever race you tune into, you're gonna just see incredible racing in it. Like racing that you don't see. It, it's like a a mix of sports car racing and sort of NASCAR. In the sense that these cars are so so tight, and the draft is so they're so tight together, and the and the draft is so strong that you see, you know, NASCAR style bump drafting. Um, but then you also have to be such a good driver to be able to to navigate some of these tracks and the traffic that you're going through in. Um, in there's never a dull moment in them that's for sure and, and and it's not like there are some races where it gets a little bit out of hand it gets a little bit crazy uh maybe a little bit too crazy um but for the most part i mean name a name a racing series where that where that doesn't happen from time to time though um but for the for the most part some of the best racing that you can watch i mean you can watch as you mentioned you watched a race while uh had it up on one screen while you were at work i definitely do that all the time um (laughs) and uh and and the fact that you can watch all of these you know for free really easily is uh you know 
why if you're not watching it then it, it's something you gotta tune into a race and watch because uh it's a lot of fun to watch yeah definitely and and do you do you see drivers from these single make series that you know that that progress their way uh, up into a higher series and because I, I know that that's definitely you know the mx5 cup uh, you know, there's drivers that are in there that are that are on the younger side that are still, you know, still trying to be on an upward curve. Uh, is that is that kind of play out as well in the the other single make series where there's kind of a mix of you know there are some young drivers that you might see somewhere else later on. Oh yeah, they, that's most of these single make series. It's it's an interesting mix. Maybe the the Mazdas might be a bit of an outlier in this, and that you get so many of those drivers because it is so it, it it's a very reasonably priced. If you can even call any form of racing reasonably priced, uh, but it, it it's a fairly reasonable budget wise uh, season. Um, so you do see lots of people that that go and race in the series and and they just stick around. Um, you know, that just becomes the series that they race. Uh, you also see a number of drivers that move on from it and and move up into uh, into other series. The the main example of that right now is is Connor Zilich. He he has raced for the past few years um, in the MX5 Cup. Uh, he came oh so close to a championship a couple of years ago, and now here he is in his first race in the WeatherTech Championship. Puts on. Well, you know, he was one of the most one of the more dominant drivers in the LMP2 class. Put on a clinic, and um, and he, along with his teammates, got the the class win. And you see this a lot in in some of the other series as well. You know, the Porsche Carrera Cup. It's it's very focused. Lots of the 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 good drivers, the that the young drivers that are in that that uh, do move on are usually affiliated with Porsche uh, as a direct result. Of the of of them doing so well in the Carrera Cup that that Porsche brings them on board and wants to wants to push them up the ladder. I anticipate that we're probably going to see similar things with the Mustang Challenge, um, and then uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo. You know, we see drivers as well um, come come up from from that into into other uh, into other uh, racing series, whether it be in IMSA or uh, or elsewhere around the world. So. Um, yeah, the, the single make series are definitely a, a key part of, of sort of the progression, uh, how, how a driver progresses through their career and, uh, and moves up in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. And it, they, they kind of pop up, uh, they kind of pop up in random places sometimes. I think the, the Porsche, uh, the Porsche cup was the, it was the only support race for the Miami grand prix last year. Um, so yeah, they kind of pop up in some random places too that are like away from from IMSA weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the addition of more of the single make series uh, in recent years, you're starting to see them branch out a little bit more. You know, we're gonna see some of the IMSA uh, support series go in and support the WEC when they head to Circuit of the Americas later this year. Uh, you're going to see the Porsche Carrera Cup play support for i think all three of the north american um uh f1 rounds so that's that's some some pretty big exposure for some of those drivers uh being just present uh in in the paddock for for an f1 weekend and uh definitely provide some pretty neat experiences yeah definitely and uh talking about the, the 2024 schedule you know is there one 
maybe maybe Daytona is it, but aside from Daytona, is there you know what is your your favorite weekend uh, that that's on the calendar for for twenty twenty four? Oh, there's so many different ways that I could uh, I could approach this. You know, I always I, I love um, most board and, and CTMP being my home track. Um, I always love going to the Glen. I think uh, Watkins Glen and the in the six hour for the amount of racing that you get um, is, is and it's always a beautiful you know there's rain every once in a while but it's a beautiful weekend it's at a great point in the summer it, it really feels like that's peak summer um for the six hours of the Glen weekend um i think this year i'm most excited probably to go to uh to road america um really excited to finally be able to make the make the trek over and experience that track one of the no classic endurance racing in North America. Just it's an iconic track. So being able to to check that out. But um, um, yeah, I think if I had to, from a pure viewer standpoint, um, I don't know. I, I think you the new the indie round being an endurance race is going to be uh, should be interesting. I think the the racing was better than I expected it to be there last year. Um, so I think you always, I think that one is, is one that you'll want to have circled to, to be interested in. Um, but I think in terms of producing, producing great racing, and I, I think I might come back to the Glen, uh, the Glen just, it's a great track. It produces great racing with all the cars and, I think uh, we'll be in just for another great Watkins Glen race this year. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at that one as well, and and looking at the tickets. That's actually the thing that kind of jumps out at me too. Like, you definitely hear about you know the the F one races, particularly in Miami and and Vegas, being uh, as expensive as they are. No, and then you look at. Tickets to go to an IMSA weekend for three days, and I mean, how many how many races can you see at some of these weekends? If you if you were there, you know, all three days or four days, you know, I mean, how many races how many races can you see? And that I th- feel like the value doesn't really get much better than that if you go to, you know, some of these weekends where they just it seems like they're just cars out on track almost all the time. Yeah, last yeah last year at the Glen we had Porsche Carrera Cup. The Lamborghini Super Trofeo, the Mazda MX-5 Cup, the Michelin Pilot Challenge, and the WeatherTech Championships. That's five series that were there. And I think we had the Michelin Pilot Challenge and the WeatherTech. They only have the one race. So we would have had like eight, eight races over the course of things get underway on Thursday with practices. But we had eight races between... Friday morning and Sunday, so there was there was plenty to uh, <laughs> plenty to keep you entertained. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the most appealing things. If if you're gonna make a weekend of of you know of, of going to you know of, of of going to you know a racetrack, I mean to, to see so many different not just so many cars, but so many different types of cars, and like you said earlier. You know some really great drivers. Uh, you know that are in in all those different series as well. Um, yeah, it, it definitely seems like a, a really great series to follow, and and you know it's, it's pretty easy to see why you get as hooked into it as uh, as as you are. Uh, and you know, so I guess kind of the last part is you know how did the the YouTube channel and what made you decide to kind of uh, you know take that 
that bigger step into uh, you know into being a racing fan and and start your own channel? Yeah, so it's um it all came sort of when I was getting interested back uh, when the racing bug was biting again. Um, you know, I was I was looking and I couldn't find any information anywhere on on IMSA and uh, like no there was no real podcasts that were dedicated to it there was no YouTube content that I could really find that just focused all on that um so I was that was that was really what triggered me to to sort of create the the initially it was a podcast only um and then it kind of evolved into uh into this YouTube format so um I, I, I was looking around and there was nothing there. So I thought, you know, why can't I do this myself? And, uh, and I kind of, I kind of took that on and, and, uh, it's, it's gotten to the point where it is now you see there is, there is some more IMSA and sports car related content that's going around, which is amazing. So happy to see that, uh, you know, people are showing that interest and, um, and yeah, just, I, I didn't think that it would get to today, but, uh, but but here it is, and uh, really really glad it, it, it's it's cool talking to people and and um, and just knowing or hearing that you know you improved their experience of getting into the sport and a difficult sport to to sort of uh, get get invested in. So um, yeah, it, it kind of all started. Because I couldn't find information myself yeah. on it, and yeah, and here we are, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it, it it was very, you know, my my first, you know, maybe year, year and a half of of trying to figure out. You just get very confused very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the different series, all the different races. You know, GTD this, LMP this. Wait, wait, what's this? And then, you know, it's one thing in IMSA, but then maybe it's slightly different. But it turns out it's actually kind of the same in the World Endurance Challenge. Uh, yeah, so I definitely it's like uh, you know, like I said, we linked to a couple of your videos, the explainer videos about the different series. Uh, you know, yeah, it's just great that you kind of just went looking for something and couldn't find it, and said, okay, well, then I'll I'll just do it myself. Um, and so what do you, you know, what do you have planned for, for this season? What is a, a typical, uh, you know, season of, of, if, if someone's following along, uh, IMSA and following along with you as well, uh, you know, what do you kind of do as the season goes on? Yeah. So I'll typically do sort of, um, any, any relevant news that happens over the course of the year, you know, I'll, I'll be there to cover it. Um, and, uh, and then pre-race, uh, or race previews. Uh, sort of race recap type, maybe just covering sort of the biggest news stories uh, from a weekend is is generally what I'll cover. Um, at, usually in the middle of the summer is when the the schedule gets released. Um, it all kind of falls under general IMSA news. Uh, I like to say, you know, just everything that you need to know about IMSA is is going to be here. Uh, whether you're a casual fan or a diehard, then um, then everything that you need to know is, is going to be there. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of news, uh, news related stories, but, uh, I think there's some, there's a, a couple of other formats that could be playing with, uh, over the summer. We'll have to see if, uh, how, how everything pieces together on some of those fronts, but, uh, but yeah, it should be, should be another, another good year of, you know, just 
covering IMSA. I mean, what could what could be better, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, uh, you know, what did you uh, you know what videos did you put together? You maybe in the off season, if someone is trying to to kind of get up to speed uh, before the next race, uh, what might be some good ones for them to check out? Yeah, so I have a playlist on uh, on YouTube. Uh, if you just go on YouTube and type in what is IMSA, uh, then it should be one of the first results that come that comes up. If not, if it's not the playlist that comes up, there's going to be a video that's IMSA explained, and it's probably going to be the first result there. So um, that would be that's always what I'm going to uh, direct people towards. Um, that's where you'll want to go to check. Uh, check it out and then uh once you kind of have some of the basics in place um then you know it's uh you're you're hooked at that point probably so uh it's uh if you if you catch the imsa bug it's uh it's hard to get rid of it yeah absolutely all right well Stu, we really appreciate your time uh coming on to talk about talk about imsa and uh and and your channel and all the great things that we can look forward to this year uh, so again, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, if we can get you back on in the middle part of the season, you can uh, help us get caught up on uh, on how things have been going. Yeah, definitely, definitely would love to be back on. Thanks for having me, Thomas. Hopefully you enjoyed that talk with Stu. I certainly had a great time uh, chatting with him, and we'll look forward to you know, an opportunity to have him come back on later on in the season, and uh, he can get us you know kind of all filled in and caught up on how the IMSA season has gone. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, be sure to check out Off in the S's uh, on YouTube. We'll link to it down in the, in the show notes. You know, like he uh, like he mentioned, you know, he did some some preview. Uh, videos to kind of prep anyone that hasn't watched, uh, you know, IMSA before to kind of let you know all about the different series that take place each weekend, the support races, uh, the different classes of cars. And he, again, he just really covers everything uh, in such great detail. And, and you can tell why. It's something that he's really passionate about and he really enjoys. And I think that comes through uh, in the work that he does on his channel. And, uh, you know, the next race weekend for IMSA is March 14th to the 16th. Uh, and that will have the Porsche Super Cup, the Mazda MX-5 Challenge, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo, and the Michelin Pilot Challenge, all supporting the WeatherTech Championship 12 Hours of Sebring. Uh, so again, you know, just a ton of races. Uh, most of those, the Super Cup, the MX-5, and the Super Trofeo uh, will all actually run two different races uh, over the course of the weekend. And then again, the Michelin Pilot Challenge, and then the main feature race is the 12 Hours of Sebring. Uh, and before that, you know, it's almost time for F1 to get started. Uh, Drive to Survive will end up on Netflix at the end of this week. Uh, testing in Bahrain is also this week, so February 21st to the 23rd. Uh, if you'd like, you you can watch the you can watch the testing or at least watch the highlights. I don't I don't know that most people can stomach watching uh, teams do testing and practice for several hours for three days in a row. But if you're so inclined, uh, you can watch just about all of that with an F1 TV uh, subscription. I had that last year, and the F1 TV subscription, uh, you know, as far as you know, look, 
uh, everything seems to be coming with a rising price tag these days. Certainly, if you watch sports, uh, you know, from the comfort of your own home, the, the prices to do that uh, continue to, to go up and up and up. And you need more and more streaming services just to watch, you know, whether it's basketball or soccer. Uh, but F1, you can watch everything. Uh, if you do have an F1 TV subscription, it's, it's reasonably priced. Uh, and what you get with that as well, you also get F2 and F3. So you get all of their races uh, and they'll be starting off. Uh, the first weekend, the Bahrain Grand Prix is Saturday, March 2nd. Uh, so F2 and F3, you know, they don't run every single time that F1 does, but both of those series will be uh, doing support races for F1 that weekend. And, you know, as far as the American interest in F2 and F3, uh, team, a French team called DAMS, D-A-M-S, uh, would be running two American drivers. That's an F2, uh, in F2, Jack Crawford and Juan Manuel Correa. Uh, and then in F3, there's also an American running in F3 as well, Max Esterson. Uh, so an opportunity there, uh, you know, to, to track four U.S. drivers across, you know, F1, of course, with Logan Sargent, and then F2 and F3. Uh, so, you know, that is, you know, just a couple, uh, just a couple days a day, days away for testing. Uh, and then the first race weekend uh, is on March 2nd. Uh, in between now and then, we are welcoming our first open wheel uh, race car driver to the show. Uh, we're, we're joined by Canadian Matt Clark. Uh, he's going to join the pod to talk about his upcoming season in USF Pro 2000. So USF USF Pro 2000 uh, is the third step in, in what used to be called the, uh, the the road to Indy, and it's the uh, level right below uh, Indy NXT. Uh, so Mac is uh, a, is a, a young up and coming Canadian driver. Uh, he's had a, a ton of success everywhere he's been so far, and uh, he joined us to talk about how all that came about, and he also joined us to talk about how he expects his season in Pro 2000 to go, and uh, you know, and and how he hopes to find his way uh, to IndyCar in the not too distant future. Uh, so be sure to come back next week and check out that episode as well. I actually just got done uh, recording that with Mac. Uh, and like everyone that's come on, really gracious with his time, really great interview, and lots of lots of interesting stuff to talk about with him. So be sure to check that out. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can also, of course, check out our Substack. Uh, we post our episode notes there every week that has all the links that we talk about. Uh, you know, you can find all those there as well. Also an opportunity on the Substack to give us some feedback. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you'd like to see and hear more of. And uh, again, you know, we'd really appreciate any feedback, any follows on the Substack, and of course, subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from so hope you enjoyed it this week uh, we've got two or three more weeks in a row of content to come out and uh, we hope to have you on board for all of that as well